Hola mi gente and welcome to season 2 episode 6 with Mateo Jaramillo. He is an entrepreneur based in Mexico but he's actually Colombian. The co-founder of Hero which couldn't have come at a better time. Hero is actually a small startup that's working with the gig economy in Latam. A group of people that has not been served up to this point. There are over 145 million gig workers in Latin America. To put that into perspective, that's more than the whole population of Mexico. So this is a big group of people that haven't been served yet. We really appreciate you being here with us today, Mateo. Gabby, thank you much for the invite and uh, very excited to chat with you. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this. It was very interesting looking at your background. You're trilingual, English, Spanish, and Portuguese and have lived in Colombia, your place of birth, Mexico, and Brazil. How do you think that having had that broad experience as the multiple languages, living in multiple places, working with startups, and also multinational companies has given you the background you need now? That's a great question, Gabi. You generally think that entrepreneurs should start at a certain age and, and they should be young. There's a lot of examples of people who not necessarily start young. If I compare myself with the people who, who I went with through Y Combinator, most of them were much younger than I am. But I think the experience of working for these big companies like Johnson & Johnson and then Uber, growing operations from zero trips per week to more than 200,000 trips per week was an amazing opportunity. It did give me the basis to be able to understand how some businesses work that has given me a lot of the experience that I have today to be able to build Heru. I lived in Brazil working for Johnson & Johnson. I moved to Mexico working for Uber. And that did give me an, a different perspective in the sense that, yes, we're Latin America. We're very similar in many perspectives, but there's also differences that we need to consider. Considering all that for Heru is super important for me and my business partner. So I think that it has been incredibly valuable. And I do recommend going through that phase of, of working for somebody else to understand the basis. Yeah, that's definitely a great point. Even on your LinkedIn profile, I really appreciate how you kept it real. Before you started Hero, you mentioned a startup that didn't work out. You said, we faced tough competition and decided to pull the plug before entering what was going to be a bloodbath. Most people are like, oh no, failure. You're like, yeah, we learned from it. Moving on. <laughs> exactly. Why do you feel it's important to be open about things like that? I, I don't think we need to be okay with failure. We shouldn't look forward to fail. But if we fail, we need to be open about it and we need to talk about it and we need to look for help. That is what we did, my business partner and I, at the moment. We look for help and a lot of people starting opening up about their failures and, and processes they had gone through that were similar to what we were going through. And that helped us hugely. So I said, why not talk about our failure? We did fail and it's fine. And, and we learned a lot uh, from them. We're using those learnings for Hedu and trying not to fall on those same mistakes. Talking about failure is, is what we should do. And talking about the learnings is very important. Yeah, it's help people to avoid those same mistakes. It's a great point. With Y Combinator, I've been hearing that name tossed around a lot in the Latin American startup sphere. What exactly does Y Combinator do for startups? I know they do funding, but what else did you get out of or are you getting from that relationship? So Y Combinator is a startup program based out of Silicon Valley, probably one of the most uh, well-known around the world. Basically, you go through a three-month program with a lot of other founders from all over the world. 
it's a very interesting methodology because they really push you to take risks more than you are already taking and just get yourself out there, put your product out there, even if it's, if it's not the perfect version. What I got out of the Y Combinator experience was two things. Getting into the entrepreneur community in Latin America and just cut through curves. For me, it was very interesting because my most recent entrepreneurial experience was working for Uber, which was not my company, but that was my circle. That was my network. And networking with other entrepreneurs from the region is really important. So that community was something that is really valuable. And then obviously the Y Combinator partners who help you out because they do a lot of parallels. They see hundreds of hundreds of startups from around the world that go through processes that are very similar. Doing those parallels, they help you out in order for you to avoid mistakes. You're opening up my mind to things that are being done all over the world. That was super valuable as well. Hmm, okay. With the startup community in Latin America, why do you think it's so much smaller than in other areas? The startup community in Latin America is very recent and all of us entrepreneurs in Latin America need to thank those who have done it and who have taken risks before us. For example, the Rappi founders uh, and then Mercado Libre, all of those people opened up a lot of doors for us. That also helped investors to take risks in regions like Latin America, where previously they did not take any risks because they have these examples of companies who have made big steps in, and who have made huge sustainable businesses in, in Latin America, then having people investing in the region has helped the community to grow as well. Yeah, it's very important to have both of those in place at the same time. With this current situation with the pandemic and the community that you're serving, the gig workers, and that's not just people who work for Uber or uh, Uber Eats or other companies of that nature, it could be freelancers like myself or other small-time entrepreneurs. How has the pandemic affected how you're helping them? Yes. I'm going to take a step back. I know you explained what Hedwig is, but I, I'm, I'm just going to compliment. We're a community-first company. And what we focused our efforts on first at the beginning was creating a, a community now targeted towards people who work for technology apps, specifically apps around logistics, so couriers or ride hailing, etc. What we did was create a community first. So we created these small hubs around the city where partners can find a place where they can go into the bathroom, charge their phone, use the tools to fix their motorcycles or vehicles drink water, coffee, and have a shelter uh, for when there's rain or, or when there's a lot of sun. We want them to feel these places like we might feel Starbucks. Whenever we fly to a new country, the first thing we do is, where's the nearest Starbucks where I can find Wi-Fi, where I can go into a bathroom? And it's a safe place in a foreign country. And that is how we want our partners to feel our herucasas. It's a safe place for them to be anywhere in the city. That's the first thing we did is build community. After that, we started building services and products based out of the conversations and the interactions that we had with our partners of what their needs were. That's where we started developing an insurance vertical and then a credit vertical, very specific for working capital. And now we have taxes declaration. Going back to your question, the pandemic has evidenced uh, a lot of the weaknesses or, or the lack of services for these gig economy workers, especially in the region. 
this is nobody's fault. This is not the company's fault. It's just something new and it's a new economy. And we didn't have the basis historically to be able to sustain this new economy. That's what we're creating. With Hedo, we're creating a second wave of companies that are here to help the gig economy workers. The pandemic has made it more and more evident that the gig economy workers are a new economy and they need services and products specifically made for them. That's what we're building. Hopefully we can help the big companies like Rappi, like Uber, like Corner Shop to provide the correct services for the gig economy workers. So far, we have grown enormously in the, these last five to six months. Yeah, I'm happy to hear that this pandemic has definitely accelerated a lot of things. As you said, with the gig workers, unfortunately, because it's so new, a lot of governments even didn't really know how to help them. So they're feeling very exposed right now. Totally, totally. It is a very fine line. The governments do not know how to handle this new economy. Most of the governments consider these gig economy workers to be full-time job employees and, and the whole model, it's not going to work. That is not necessarily what the gig economy workers want. They want the full-time employee benefits. They do not want the full-time employee hourly schedules. We're all in, in this process of discovering what are the right products and services and how to better serve this new economy and how to be compliant with what the governments want. But there is an effort that the government will have to do in order to create a new set of rules for the new economy. Yeah, you said the community is very important, especially for uh, the gig workers. But I feel like maybe working for a company is kind of like having a rich uncle. They have your back with insurance and all these other benefits and things like that. When you have Hero, it's like you have a rich friend who's like, I know a guy. <laughs> so you have an end to all these benefits without feeling the same level of obligation, which is nice to still have that flexibility factor in there. I agree. That's exactly how we want to be seen is we're not in favor of the companies. We're not in favor of the gig economy workers. We're here for both and we're here to make things work for everybody. That is the nature of our efforts. That is basically what we want to do, help everybody who's in the network or in the community. Very cool. So for those of the community who are watching this or listening to this on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter, yeah, we have Abuid Flores. He says the new economy, but with old scaffolding. I agree with that. We're still working on that portion of it. For those who might be hiring managers or out in the field, to give them an example, you just started a partnership. I saw your post three weeks ago with Uber Eats Pro. How is that going? How would a relationship work if someone's considering, hey, this sounds like a good idea. How can I do that? It has been super interesting for us. Uber Eats was our first big partnership. Uber and, and all of these companies are genuinely interested in how they can improve the conditions for their partners. They just don't know how to do it. There's also a fine line between what they do and then what the government considers is a, a full-time employee. But we're here for that. We're here to be that third party who provides those benefits. That's why we built this first partnership with Uber Eats. It is specifically tailored to provide access to the pro community of Uber Eats couriers. So the pro community is a group of couriers within the Uber Eats community that has four levels, platinum, diamond, gold, and then the basic. We provide a different set of discounts and, and benefits for those users. 
We provide the biggest access to the Heru Casas, obviously the platinum and diamond cohorts. That's a strategy for Uber and all of these companies to push these users to be considered as, as platinum and, and diamond users on their platforms. So far, it has worked amazingly. We're also starting to work with other tech companies in Latin America because everything is, is moving towards providing these benefits to, to their users. We're here to do that. We're here to help them out. We're also here to provide benefits to the growing community and the new economy, basically. Yeah, I really love how you're covering both ends of where you're out in the field. You can go to the Hero Casas, find somewhere to relajar un poquito before you have to go back to work. Then on this other side, you have the insurances. The thing I really liked was financial management, which for a lot of entrepreneurs and gig workers, that's very difficult. How does that function within the app work? Correct. The financial vertical is huge. We don't want to call it financial education. We are all undereducated in finance. I, I personally have a lack of knowledge in financial education. There are experts who are helping us build our products. Our end goal is provide the tools and the information have it available for our partners to be able to make their own decisions in a much more educated way. So what we currently have is a dashboard. This dashboard is a personal financial dashboard, which connects to their bank accounts. It basically shows them what their income is and how they're spending that money. That visibility within our platform will help them have everything under one place. Our goal with that information is guide them through a better use of their money for them to be able to have a, a, a brighter future or save for the future, etc. And so our end goal is, is provide that information and that visibility for them to do so. We also have some working capital loans, which are specifically targeted for our partners. What happens with the gig economy workers is a day they don't work is a day they don't earn any payment, right? They might not have enough money to, for example, put gasoline in their motorcycle or vehicle to go out and generate income. What we do is working capital loans. They have a, a card that is provided by Heru. And in that credit card, they have a pre-approved loan, which they can use specifically for gasoline, groceries or pharmacies you have a loan but you can only use it in the things that really matter and things that will keep you going to continue generating income so that is part of our whole process of providing information and and, and visibility for them to be able to have a better use of their finances in overall wow that's excellent yeah, make sure you use that money for gas and not taking everybody for arepas don't do that exactly, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But this is amazing. Hero really is a hero. It's like that friend that's, yeah, I've done this before. Let me show you how to do this. I love that. Exactly. Yep. What is some of the feedback that you've gotten from the community, whether it's reviews or people writing to say thank you? What have you heard so far? So the community is really interesting, and, and that is obviously one of our stronger drivers in general. We do go to our Hero Casas periodically and, and talk to users. We have a couple of people with disabilities who work for these gig economy apps and the Heru Casas are their safe place. They have two Heru Pals, which are support team, team members within the Heru Casas that help them out with anything. And we have a couple of computers there. For example, when the law change in Mexico for these gig economy workers to do their monthly taxes, they didn't know how to upload certain information that was being asked for them. Our Heru Pals helped them out through that process. Those little things are our biggest drivers. The other thing is women also feel much safer in our Heru Casas, especially in an environment, unfortunately, like Latin America. Having access to a clean bathroom, they also feel safe. 
which seems very small, but is a huge impact in their day-to-day and their lives. Referring back at at Uber, we did a survey to understand why women weren't driving as much as men. There's the obvious ones, which is safety, and that did play a huge role in that survey. But also there were some that were not that obvious, which was access to clean bathrooms. Unfortunately, there's not many options, and that's what we want to provide at Heru. The thing that really struck me out is the community is, for example, when somebody does not have money to buy lunch, what they do is they put money together, a small pool of money, and they buy a pizza or tacos for everybody who's there at the moment in the Heru Casa. Or, for example, there's certain partners who have a lot of knowledge in mechanical fixing motorcycles. Whenever one of their friends gets their motorcycle damaged, they help them fix it right there in Heru Casa. So all of those small things is, is what we look for. So far, they're very happy that they have this new partner who's neutral and who doesn't play any sides and who provides these benefits for them. Uh, that's great. You're definitely sticking to your main goal of building that community and covering all the different facets. That's amazing. I love that. Thank you. You never know, especially like you said, for women, how important a clean bathroom is. <laughs> totally. Totally. Have some more messages from Awood here. He said the digital transformation is going to be the new standard, which is definitely agree with that Abuid and different companies that have a digital platform will survive the pandemic, which it seems like you're definitely on the right track, Mateo. Thank you. Yeah. We're learning a lot as we go because everything is so new. We did have a first wave of companies who helped build the gig economy, like Uber, Rappi, et cetera. Now we have a second wave of companies which we are helping to build that will provide services and products for the gig economy. Yeah, it's amazing to see the growth. Hero only started about a year ago, but it's already doing all of this. Would you attribute some of the growth to the account manager work you did with Endeavor Columbia all those years back? So Hero actually started this year. We started, my partner and I, with structuring the whole company in December of last year and then getting serious this year in January, hired our first team member in February. Then we launched on the 4th of May of this year. So it has been a very fast-paced growth. Last year, I went through this pivot phase and in my previous company, which was something similar to, to what All Your Rooms is doing in Latin America, but we failed. Then we built Hedo and, and it's been an amazing experience. These companies actually do have a, a genuine uh, intention to to provide better services and, and products for their users. They just don't have the way to do so. And that's where everything was born. Just having that experience and having gone through launching uh, Uber in Cali, growing it to, to more than 200,000 trips, coming to Mexico to work in the regional operations team, having a team both in Brazil and, and Mexico, I think is, is what gave us the experience to build Headwind and do what we're doing today. Yeah, you can definitely see that when you left Uber, you were already the, the lead of driver ops. So you're using all that knowledge now. Definitely. Yes, definitely. Definitely. That did help a lot. I know we mentioned this at the beginning, but with your team, most of them are bilingual as well. How do you feel that gives you an edge over other people that might be trying to do the same thing? We're hiring anybody who's based out of Latin America. We now have people based out of Colombia. We have somebody based out of Mexico, but not necessarily Mexico City. Having a bilingual team does help in the sense of the tech information. A lot of the newest technology frameworks are in English, and that does play a huge role in the type of 
technology that you want to build. As many startups in, in the region, we want to have the latest technology. And having a tech team that speaks English is very important because of that. Having that information fresh and, and being able to access the forums and, and talk to people who only speak English is, is very important to building what we want to build. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about it from that angle before. Even in another meeting that we had similar to this one, we considered a stat, which completely blew my mind. 50% of the internet is in English, but only 5% is in Spanish. Hmm. So it's definitely key to have that English at a high level with your team. Definitely. That's an impressive stat. Yeah, it completely blew my mind. It's like, what? Only 5%? (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) That's crazy. Fortunately, I think it's growing a lot. And the tech scene in Latin America is growing. We have a lot of people in, in the region. But unfortunately, as you mentioned, a lot of the information out there is, is still in English. We need to step up to that reality. As a region, we need to take a step forward and just put ourselves out there. Learning English is one of the first steps towards that and, and being a more international community. That's true. Going with this point here from Mario, he says, if something is not automatable or digitizable, then there is where the opportunity is. I agree with that, Mario. In my experience, Latin America is already ahead of the curve on this because they're building their tech skills, but we already have that ability to be friendly. People are humanizing their digitalization right now. How have you seen the Latino culture? Like, hi, como están? Yeah, then, then, how is that helping you with your Herucasas, with building a community? Yeah, that, that definitely plays a huge role. Mario, you have a good point. If something is not automated or digitized, then there's a huge opportunity. But to your point, Gabi, there is still a lot, a lot that happens offline. That is why we build the Herucasas and a space where people can feel comfortable talking to a human and just feeling they can support each other, that has been very important as well. Because of my background, I I am very operational, so I am very hands-on and I have an appreciation for the offline world. A lot of the magic happens there, but definitely, if we're not transitioning a lot of what happens offline into online, we're not going to be ahead of the curve, to your point, Gabby. We need to raise our standards uh, as Latin Americans and take a lot of what happens offline into online. I was also uh, going through a stat very recently. I think Atlantico published uh, a recent report, which was really interesting. And the penetration of internet in Latin America and and smartphone penetration, there's a huge opportunity there. We need to take advantage of that in the positive sense. There's still a magic in the offline world, but there needs to be a, a transition to the online world. Yeah, that's a great point, especially with the penetration of the phones in Latin America. I really like how Hero is an app. You can get it on the Google Play Store or the App Store by going there or also by going somoshero.com. So that's a good way to get that there. With your English, Mateo, did you learn it as a grown person, adolescent, or as a child? I was fortunate to go to an international school in my hometown in Cali. It is an American school. So I learned it since I was a child. My mother is also a teacher. I also had her growing up and, and just practicing my English. But yeah, I went to an American school growing up. Oh, wow. Blessed twice. Teacher in house yes. is always a good thing. Yes. 
how do you keep your English strong now? You're living in a Latin American country and then you're also working with Latin American clients. What do you do to improve your vocabulary and also to maintain? Working for these international companies has given me that opportunity. Johnson Johnson, Endeavor, Uber. I've always had to keep practicing my English skills because there's counterparts from anywhere in the world where I have had to communicate in English. That's how I've kept my English skills fresh. There's a lot of ways to do so now. Just podcasts in English, Netflix series in English, just hearing that and just having your ear accustomed to, to hearing the English language is also a way of keeping it fresh. Just putting yourself out there is, is the best way to improve. So if anybody's in the process of learning English, the, the best thing you can do is just find somebody to speak English and just put yourself out there. Yeah, you gotta try. Podcasts are very important, especially <laughs> Clever Habits podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. Thank you so much, Mateo. If someone wants to get in touch with you and your team, what are the best ways to contact you? LinkedIn, Instagram, you can go ahead and drop those handles now. Yes, feel free to shoot us a message with we are Heru in LinkedIn, Somos Heru in the rest of the platforms, Instagram, Twitter, etc. Feel free to send me a message through LinkedIn. I'm really open to, to just connecting with people from all over the world. I think it brings huge opportunities just connecting. Yeah, definitely. And for those of you trying to get to Mateo's level, feel free to reach out to us as well on our website, cleverhybrids.com for business course info for a team or even an executive or team member who needs a little bit of extra help. Thank you so much for watching and until next time, learn by doing and asking. Hasta pronto.